0: You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 118.
1: You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives.
0: You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life.
1: But isn't that, like, cheating?
0: We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: Why not? The
2: safety word is banana. It is so
1: refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box.
0: This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So it is like February already.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the month of Valentine's Day.
0: I was going to say that. You know, it's like already Valentine's Day is already here. And well, it's coming up quick. Well, it'll, it'll be here almost by the time this podcast goes out. Might, might have actually been here already. I guess it depends how far ahead we are. I'm not 100% sure. I have to ask Amanda.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think this one's going to be going out like Valentine's Day week.
0: So, yeah, well, you know, that's going to be interesting because it is still – we were just talking to our clients about this, but, you know, it is still COVID-ish for most of us, right, depending on your risk profile. And uh, it's going to be an important thing to to really keep in mind that it actually is Valentine's Day and try to make it special. But I don't think it makes sense to spend a lot of time on that if it's going to be Valentine's Day before people hear this. (laughs) So, yeah. But if you're listening to this afterwards, which – I think will probably be the case. Oh wait, I can look at this. No, it's going out before Valentine's Day. I
1: said that. I said it's going All to come right. out right before. So that. Valentine's
0: Day is in 2 days, folks. <laughs> and go ahead, Gazi.
1: And so, you know, Oh wait,
0: what day is Valentine's Day? The 14th. I knew that. So Valentine's Day Wait, I'm doing math. This is going out. It's in It's in 4, four days. days, folks. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I'm a relationship coach. I know what Valentine's Day is.
1: I'm a relationship coach, but I can't look at my content calendar. Um. <laughs> Doesn't say anything
0: about Valentine's Day on here.
1: I know. I'm picking on you.
0: And also, you didn't let me finish the joke, which is I know what Valentine's Day is. It's so whatever date says it in my calendar.
1: Mmm, very true. So with that, um, something we were just talking to our clients about is you know you do want to make sure that. Even with COVID, even with all that, you do make this holiday, this thing, a thing for you and your partner, especially if it's something where Valentine's Day is something that you normally celebrate and is normally something that uh, is special for you and your partner or partners. So just be mindful of that. Maybe uh, do some ordering of some flowers or chocolates or whatever and uh, keep that in mind.
0: What podcast do you think you're on? What do you mean? Or like some sex toys, chocolates? Or I'm some- like
1: even, even, even people who want sex toys still want flowers.
0: Well, I know, but you stopped there.
1: Well, I was waiting for you to. Do you pick remember
0: up- we had a partner at one point? We were talking about Valentine's yes. Day. You remember that conversation?
1: Yes, she said, "I can buy my own fucking chocolate."
0: I want sex for Valentine's I Day. Sex. I want chocolate. I'll buy my own fucking chocolate. Yes,
1: that is what she said. But I was waiting for you to fill in. You're like, what podcast you're on? And I was like, I'm on the podcast where I'm waiting for you to start chiming in.
0: Ah, uh, well, I will say this, folks. Uh, you know, like for a lot of us, you know, a lot of these days have become kind of COVID blurs, right? And... Uh, with that, you know it is really important to make sure, like, ask that you are are taking some steps to make this day special. You're not, you know, a for yourself, you know, but b even if you're a person who like holidays aren't really your thing, do remember if it's still your partner's thing, right? So definitely do that. I mean, at this point, you know, you have four days.
1: Amazon, Amazon's a thing.
0: Yep, if you got Prime, plenty of time. But seriously, <laughs> take a step back, figure out how you can make that special for yourself for your partner. You know. And even I know finances are hard for a lot of people right now. Sometimes the little things are the best. You want to work with what you got. And if what you got is you have been impacted by COVID in a way where, uh, you know, you're financially hard hit, that probably also means that you have more time than you might typically, right? So you want to ask yourself, like, how can you leverage that resource that you have?
1: And we actually have a Valentine's Day episode from years ago that we could put in the show notes that has some tips for how to make some like at home presents and ideas and things like that
0: how many of them are getting naked and
1: well, uh, there's some sexy coupons and stuff like that. Ah, so yeah' there we go. I'm like, we we go through a whole thing in that episode about like you know some presents that you can make for your partner, um, some sexy ones and some that aren't.
0: Folks, I know I joked and our, our our I know Man Cub joked about you know it's going to hit midnight and it's just going to be December 32nd, 2020, but it did not happen. 2021, I promise it didn't happen. 2021 has been just like amazing in terms of what our clients are doing this year i am just so happy like in this move to uh and i'm sure the package listeners have heard you know a few months back when i talked about this but to doing this full-time and us both being able to like help the clients full-time as opposed to just you and me kind of doing it part-time so happy and on that note like we have a special treat for you folks today because uh, actually what we did we have our client yvette who is just an absolutely fantastic human being her and her partner Daniel uh, actually came through our mastering open relationships course here and they did they graduate this year like they, they graduated
1: they just just right before 2021 i didn't know if it was like
0: it uh, didn't with the holidays i couldn't remember no? i think no.
1: They yeah. they finished right before New Year's.
0: Right before New Year's. Well, mm-hmm. I tell you what, man, you want to talk about some people who took a year that was, you know, just crap for a lot of people and completely transformed their relationships into something beautiful in that time. Like, right from the heart of COVID through, like, the COVID holidays, they were... Awesome, and Yvette agreed to kind of come on the show.
1: Yeah, and Yvette was nice enough to come on and talk about how her and Daniel went from a place in their relationship where you know things were in these like cycles that just weren't going anywhere, where they didn't want to harm any other relationships going forward because they had had some bad experiences going through a poly relationship before. and getting to a place where now she is talking about how she can't stop smiling and how she is having incredible sexy time and just really enjoying her time with her partners. I'm really excited.
0: And you know, the other thing too that I I love, I mean, with everybody, right? But but looking at Daniel and Yvette is just watching, you know, sometimes like, really I say sometimes, but it's with everybody, but watching not just the relationship growth, but the personal growth, like watching the people that our clients get to become as they're working on their relationships, because I'll tell all of you this, if you haven't heard the secret, you know, the the only way that a relationship transforms is by the people in the relationship transforming, right? So so it's also just to be able to watch how, and I'm I'm thinking about especially here, her own personal growth, and transformation in the process was fantastic. So yeah, they were great, and I'm excited for this interview.
1: All right, well then why don't we dive in? Thank you for taking the time to, to do this little interview and let other folks know about the experience that you had in MOR. And I'm so happy that I just hit the record button because I feel like I could just sit here and chat with you um, and forget to do that. So can you like just introduce yourself, talk about you, your partner, kind of like your, your origin story of your relationship? How did, how did you meet and uh, you know the two of you?
2: First off, thank you for having me as well. Um, It's a pleasure always talking with you. It's super fun for myself and my uh, nesting partner, Daniel. We have been together for almost 15 years, legally married. Uh, We've known each other since birth, actually. His parents and my parents were um, roommates at the time of having us like a year apart from each other. So we were close enough as family without being so close that it became weird as we were growing up because my parents ended up moving somewhere closer to the coast and they would come visit instead. So we developed a friendship that was kind of like distant, very distant relatives, Um, but we would barely see each other like once a year. So once we saw each other again as adults. We were like, oh, hi. <laughs> like, it just made sense. Um, we have uh, two children. And we have been non-monogamous for the past, I would say, nine to ten years in different roles and a different experiences through that. And it's been an evolution for the both of us. Mm, It wasn't until about three, almost four, actually four years ago that we actually landed more in the polyamory side of things. And that was there there were a lot of bumps in the road with that particular side of things, just a matter of not knowing how to do it in a in an ethical way that could help everybody involved and not be hurting of each other um, and owning your own space and boundaries and holding on to to who you are as an individual to be able to bring more things to the relationships that we were building. We just didn't have that um, back then. So of course we bumped into a lot of rocks uh, through that journey. But yeah, yeah, we're here now.
1: (laughs) So we'll get into some of those, like the bumps and obstacles and things like that. But like Real quick, so if someone's just now tuning into like what, what you're talking about and everything, can you just tell us what was the result that you got actually working with us and going through MOR? It
2: has helped me feel very empowered. And um, not only, like I mentioned before, we used to not have very clear definitions of boundaries and you grow up very minding, what your partner is feeling or doing, like you're responsible for what your partner's experiences are. And while to a certain extent you have a responsibility to behave in an ethical way towards them, you're not responsible for their reactions. That has to be handled by them, as well as you have to be responsible for your own behavior and how you're handling things when things get difficult. So that was one of the things that I really took out of the program. The other thing, self-care, oh my goodness, as a parent and as a a partner to multiple people, you are always trying to give more to others. But then you kind of forget that in order to provide and in order to give all that you really want to give, you have to take care of yourself first. And it wasn't until now that it finally really clicked. Like It's okay to shed some of that guilt that you may have surrounding taking that long bubble bath, or maybe not that, but actually taking the time to sit down and eat a a healthy meal that you really enjoy um, because other people are not taking their time to take care of themselves or doing their part, pulling their weight. Those were things that I learned in MOR. Oh, and mental state, shifting mental state has been a huge one, absolutely.
1: Awesome. So how are you and Daniel now? So how are things going with the two of you?
2: Things are wonderful. Actually, he now has uh, two other partners and I have a a non-nesting partner. When things have been a little difficult or a little tense, it's so much easier to shift or pivot we don't get locked in these long, awful arguments, trying to rationalize how it happened and how we're landed here and how is it fixable? Is it possibly fixable or not? Now we know both individually that we are responsible for fixing whatever situation arose and that we're working together as a team as opposed to against each other in the process of trying to find a solution. We're not guilt tripping each other. We're not holding the other person responsible. We're like, okay, well this sucked or it's sucking right now, but everything else just becomes
1: easier to build up on. Awesome. You mentioned some of the bumps and stuff like that. So where were the two of you before we chatted? And I'm going to actually say you know, we actually chatted twice, right? So before you actually became a client, you know, with, with us, we actually talked. So we talked the first time. And can you tell me a little bit about that experience from you?
2: Yes, absolutely. So about three and a half, almost four years ago, we, I'm going to say landed because really it wasn't something that was uh, conscientiously sought after we landed on a triad, a close triad at the time. And it brought like a whole additional family to the same household. So it was basically two, four people families uh, in one household trying to manage all that comes with having adults be responsible and the children running around and doing all the crazy stuff. Mm. And like I stated before, we didn't have, a lot of the tools we didn't understand boundaries. We didn't understand if everything. Had been so easy between Daniel and I before that we thought it would be just as easy with everybody else. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was letting a lot of a lot of things slide um, because you, it's kind of what you're taught in the mono culture is like well if you want your partner to be happy you just let them do whatever and you you know cater to their feelings and their needs that that gave us a lot of work to do um, and we ended up in a situation that made us really consider if even staying together it the three of us, or even like the original couple staying together. And it was a really painful time. It was very scary. It was very confusing because it had never been as terrible as it was in that moment. And I called uh, you actually, and I mm-hmm. set up an appointment to to do like the breakthrough call and see I'm um, kind of at a loss to what to do here. And At that time, I really believe that we were not prepared to take care of everything that needed to be done. And some of the things were just the the effort and all the the work that needed to be put was just not there. Um, We had the desire to fix things and we were throwing everything at it as much as possible, but we didn't have the ability at the time to pursue the program. Now, on the other hand, you also didn't push. It was very easy for you to say, you know what? The situation that you're in is, it's not unheard of. This is something that I deal with all the time. But try these things first. You didn't go into, oh, you need to join my program right now. This is how we're going to fix this. You You literally just went, you can use this this and this. Give it a try. See how that works. If that's not working, call me back and we can come up with another strategy. The relationship with the third partner actually fell apart and we needed to work on a lot of other things during those first year and a half after that. Um, Things started getting much better. We got back on that horse. We both started dating separately. And lo and behold, issues start creeping back in because of course we hadn't dealt with things head on. We didn't understand a lot of the things that come with consensual, ethical, non-monogamous relationships. Um, We have a lot of that mono programming that's still attached to it. So once we found ourselves in this difficult situation again, and we were like, this doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. And we're not about to start hurting people along the way just because we're not figuring this shit out (laughs) you know then it turned into well I know these people these people were people that I reached out to when the first crisis happened and I have been listening to their podcasts and just information in general and following the the Facebook groups and it seems like they they know what they're talking about these are people that I feel like I can trust to learn something from them And we went ahead and joined the program this time around. And like I said, it's been freaking (laughs) fantastic.
1: And what I loved about the two of you when you first joined was that, you know, you had the motivation to work on your relationship and make your relationship even more connected, but you also wanted to be strong partners for anybody else that you brought into your life, right? You didn't want anybody to be your experiment, your science project that went poorly, right? Like you wanted to be a good partner for your current partner and your future partners. And that is just one thing that I really, I I think for a lot of folks don't give credit to that. There is this, there, there's a need to not just be a good partner for the partner that you have standing next to you, but your future partners too. So, you know, I just wanted to point that out and, and (laughs) You guys decided to do this during a pandemic, right? Like, oh you're you're gosh. just, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna work on your relationship and show up as better partners for your each other and your other partners, and do all this and work on this during a pandemic. Oh my! So God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to give you super mom points on that because you recognize that this was not something that. Could be put to the side and waited on. And you know, you took action and decided to do that. So let me ask you this why, for you, was it so important at that time? You know, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of everything, like what was that like driving force for you to fix the things that weren't working?
2: <laughs> it's, um, that's really funny, actually. For me, In particular, I had been, I had seen how painful it was for all three of us involved and the people that loved us to see how we had to go through that particular breakup. And I, in that moment, saw that I was never, like, if I knew that I was going to be a polyamorous person, but I, promised myself that I would not drag anybody else into a situation where like, if things fall apart, they have to fall apart because bo- the people involved in that particular configuration are not a good fit for one another is one thing. But because I'm not making the effort myself to be a better person, to know myself well enough to know that that is not a good relationship for me to be in, even if they are a better person fit for somebody else that's a personal responsibility and that is a pride point for me personally the other aspect of that is daniel has been my best friend my person for years and we have been through thick and thin like through a lot of stuff from not having a place to live to moving several states to having children you know, isolated, it it has been an entire journey of this self-discovery. And every single time we have both given each other the benefit of the doubt and said, I mean, I am making the decision of, of being here with you today. And this is what we are doing right now. Do we have goals for the future of staying together? Absolutely. But it's because we are building on the building blocks of what we're doing today And sometimes all you have to do is be able to look at where your feet are and be able to say right now, I don't like you. I don't like this particular situation, but I have chosen to be with you today. It's a choice. It's a very clear, definitive choice. And we were in that moment starting to notice the regression um, and falling into the same old patterns. And we just don't want to be repeating the same old patterns over and over again, because then you're not really growing now, are you? So that, those were the things that really drove us and me particularly in to MR in that particular moment. In the whole COVID thing, it, on the other hand, it was a catalyst to a certain extent because I had already started seeing how other relationships were being affected by the pandemic. People that were in nesting situations, or they have been in long, like 12, 13, 15 year relationships that all of a sudden poof in the middle of the pandemic, this is not working. We are, you know, hanging around each other way too much. And I don't like who I'm hanging out with. That was not the case for us. We wanted, We enjoy each other's company. It just so happens that we were under a lot of stress and we didn't know how to manage it correctly. So all of this just came at the right place and you know from the right place and at the right time. And we were ready in that moment. So we took the leap. And it's not like we had a bunch of cash laying around that we had saved for this particular program. Uh, we had to jump through some hoops and make some adjustments. I lost my job due to COVID. I had been remote learning with the kids all along the, and uh, Daniel has been working remotely to try to make things meet so things are tight but we did what we had to do and we're able to do at the moment and look for as many alternatives as possible to make it happen so yeah it was very important mm-hmm.
1: the two of you you know i have to give you so much credit for being resourceful you know it was a decision that you made and you were like okay we're going to we're going to work on things we're going to make this happen and you did right and mm-hmm. i cannot give you enough credit for how much that that commitment to working on your relationship and, and yourselves as a partner was a driver for you. Like you committed to that and that's what, what you did. Right. So yeah. what other things have you and Daniel tried before working with us as far as trying to, to work on things in, in your relationship and the, the polyamory aspect and everything?
2: We've read tons of books, (laughs) both uh, separately and um, together. Um, We have gone through couples counseling for years. When I'm like, I'm not joking. It's been a good three to four years of couples counseling. Don't get me wrong. We've made some progress, but the progress that was being made was in other areas, not necessarily on how to manage the particular hiccups that we were coming up with being polyamorous and working towards having the detanglements and be able to be your own self and feel empowered to say, this is my limit. This is okay. That it's a limit that you don't have to like it, but you can respect it and vice versa. None of those things were addressed the same way in therapy as it was in MOR. In MOR, it was pretty much, you are adults. You can figure this out. You can make a decision, whether the other person likes it or not, what does it work like for you? And vice versa, you know, he can make decisions and we can talk through them. And thankfully we can get to the negotiation part and have much better skill at doing that Um, and being prepared and knowing exactly what your state Of mind is when you're going into these particular agreements, as opposed to let's figure it out right now in the middle of the kids running around the house and everything's on fire and we haven't had food. Like, we didn't, I know that I wasn't paying attention to my state when I was trying to solve a lot of these challenges uh, that I was seeing. I would just try to like hammer it every single time, like, it needs to be fixed, it needs to be fixed now needs to be right now because we can't wait till tomorrow. like, sometimes you have to wait until tomorrow because it's not going to work. Or go eat or (laughs) take a shower. Come back to me later. Yeah, definitely.
1: Do you remember one of the first things, you know, like what is one of the first things that you remember me telling you when we had like our first one-on-one and, you know, you had joined the program. What was like one of the first things that you remember me telling you?
2: I'm actually trying to remember because... We had a lot of good conversations. Um, But one of the things that I remember requesting was, or the the most that I wanted was feeling empowered to be the best kind of partner that I could be and being self-assured. It was that self-assurance that was the hardest because I, I remember going through a lot of fears about abandonment and my partner's not wanting to be there with me or for me. I think that was one of my biggest requests. And that was one of the things that you kind of flipped on me. Like, why are you feeling insecure? Like, what is it? What kind of conversations are your your partners and you having? And how is it coming up? Like, how are you interacting with each other? And The other was the self-care was really, really, I remember that one more than anything, really strongly. Mm -hmm. Like, well, how are you supposed to give anything if you don't have anything? Like, have you eaten today? And I'm like, I don't even know. Go go eat, go take. What makes you the happiest when you have the opportunity to do something that is absolutely for yourself? Not not only the eating aspect, (laughs) but like, what makes you really happy? What makes you feel pampered and taken care of? And I'm like, a shower, like a good bath. Go do it. Schedule it. I'm like, I don't have time. Everybody has the same amount of time. You just need to figure out how to make it happen.
1: Those things were super important for me. So what did you notice right away? You know, after, you know, because... We had that conversation pretty early on, right? Like that was mm-hmm. one of the, one of the first conversations was about self-care. Uh-huh. So what did you see once you started sort of implementing some of the things that we talked about as far as self-care and, um, you know, managing your emotions and things like that? What did you see right away in regards to your relationship and and how you showed up and how you felt?
2: I mean, it, it immediately started making changes to the relationship link. We were going through a time period where we would have an argument basically every day. Um, and neither one of us wanted that because really, unless you are have other issues, you're likely not one to be in a confrontational situation every day of the week. But that's exactly where we were. Once we started implementing, once I started implementing that self-care and you know, noticing my state of mind, hey, doing the check-in every day with myself, how am I feeling? What have I done? You know, have I taken care of these things for myself? I started noticing that every single time I would actually listen to my body, listen to my feelings about particular subjects, I could then pivot that and have much better conversations with Daniel, even when he wasn't doing xyz even when he wasn't the one that was pulling quote unquote the wait um for whatever reason if he was having a bad week or a bad day or whatever i would i would recognize where his state was and remind hey your state is not the best right now we can talk we can bring this back let's put a pin on it and let's come back to this tomorrow at three Yes, absolutely. Or tomorrow afternoon, we'll have some free time. On the same token, I would realize when I was the one that was having a freakout or a meltdown or, oh my God, this is like the worst. I can't have this conversation. A lot of the coaching went, well, have you asked? <laughs> have Did you have that conversation? Did you ask about said thing? And I was like, no, why not? I don't think they're gonna say yes, will? But at least you have to ask. Otherwise, how are you gonna get a yes if you don't ask? And I'm like, blimey, like <laughs> I don't want to do that. But the that's the
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Every single time I had the opportunity to prove that not only I could ask for the difficult things and getting the no's is okay. But also that a lot of times my partners want to say yes to the things. They just don't know how to say yes or even come up with the thing that I want. That was really a big change in how my relationship started shifting when I started shifting.
1: Tell me a little bit about like where you're at today. Like as far as your relationships, how you feel, like your interactions with Daniel and your other partners, like how, how is things right now? Things are great. <laughs>
2: like I can't stop smiling. I am absolutely in love. I have been having the most sexy time that I that I can remember in recent history with both of my partners. Like I said we've had moments where we have been like, "Uh-uh, I don't like this. This is not okay." And yet we're not dragging it along. This is not a forever discussion. There was actually one day that that it felt like it was gonna go that route. And I remember distinctly going, okay, let's stop right here. Are we working together to solve the issue or are we just gonna bicker at each other and try to point fingers? No, I want to solve the situation. I want to come up with a solution. Okay, so let's shift. And what is the problem? This is the problem. How can we make it better? Before, I used to end up in a freaking meltdown every time. And I feel a lot more empowered to say, nope, this is not working. This conversation is not productive. It's not going anywhere. It needs to stop. And then let's reconvene or let's. This is the solution that I expect would be better. What do you think about this solution? And that helps a lot. I've also been in situations with my non-nesting partner where they'll have what I call flare-ups. There's a moment where they're like, I'm really, I really don't like how I feel about XYZ. Like, I understand that you're feeling that particular way about this particular situation. However, these are the facts. You can tell me you don't like it and I can tell you that this is okay, this doesn't have to happen, or it ha- this for me needs to happen in this particular way. One of the biggest things that we've had arguments about has precisely been COVID safety. And oh my goodness, I'm sure that there's a bunch of people out there that are struggling with that. And everybody's COVID level of safety, in my opinion, should be equal across the board where mm-hmm. everybody like is trying to be very careful and masking up and, you know, hand washing and social distancing. But I understand that not everybody follows those. Well, I want the people in my bubble to be very careful, as careful as they can be for a lot of reasons. And I've had a lot, a lot of conversations about how our safety levels can be mitigated, how we can make things a little bit easier to still allow some interactions with certain people without exposing the bubble. And those have been some heated debates. And yet, every single time we've been able to come up with a reasonable solution that doesn't end up exposing those at a higher risk in in my bubble. I mean, really, (laughs) it has been so helpful. And not only in, in regards to partners, like in regards to metas, in regards to family members, it, all these tools have come in handy for conversations outside of my partnerships.
1: So yeah, it's really great. That's awesome. What are you most excited for as far as your relationships from here?
2: Right now, I am excited that I keep on enjoying the happy times that I have the ability to turn things around, that I have the ability to say when something is not good and not devolve, like I said, into a hot mess or a meltdown, just feeling strong and, and comfortable in stating my truth and knowing that the people that I am surrounding myself with respect my truth as well. And, and, I, and I do that naturally for others. That's just the way that I was raised. And it's part of my personality. It's who I am. Uh, but understanding that there are limits to that for myself. So I don't burn out in the process. So I don't end up giving and doing so much that then there's nothing left for me to give. The, the real trick to being able to provide abundantly is to be able to have abundance in your life. And I I currently have that. And I think it's only gonna get better in the process because I am getting better at it every day. I am seeing how that's changing when I have conversations with, with my friends and my partners and realizing that I can look back and see where I used to be and how I used to handle and react to certain things. And I can see myself be steady enough to say, yeah, I like this and I want to make more of this.
1: All right, so last question. I'll I'll let you go cuz you've given me so much of your time and I really appreciate it. But the last question that I have is, you know, anyone, you know, the folks who are listening, to you talk about your experiences and and everything like what would you like them to understand? What would you like them to take away? Like what would be the biggest takeaway or the thing to understand for those who are listening? Well, first off,
2: if you are looking into being ethically non-monogamous some way or, or another, I really think getting help from people that live the style, um, live this life, and not only that, but actually work with hundreds of people in the, you know, in this lifestyle that have a good understanding of how to use these tools because these tools are things that we know. And that's another funny thing. If you're somebody like me that likes to self-improve, that likes to grow, uh, you're gonna have a lot of information that comes to you, but you haven't digested it from the ethically non-monogamous standpoint. You've digested it for your company, you've digested it for your family interactions, you've digested it for friendships or toxic relationships, whatever. But you've never really taken the time to see it from this particular perspective because it's not something that is mainstream. It's not something that is talked about openly everywhere. It's more so now, but it's never been like mainstream. So having people that know coach you um, and guide you through the experience absolutely a plus surround yourself with community people that understand what the journey is but not just people that understand what the journey is and they're like bumping against each other along the road because there's a bunch of people out there that are practicing non-monogamy but they're either being not ethical about it and that's their choice or they're being they're beating themselves against the rocks because they don't have the tools, they don't have the information. Again, they haven't had somebody to say, hey, this tool, you can use this particular way for this particular interaction. Having that, is de- it's definitely very helpful. Having people that are part of your community that are striving to become better at what they are doing, that they have a genuine desire to become better people for themselves and for their partners. Join um, Facebook groups that are dedicated to non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy so that you have the opportunity to see that you're not alone. There's a lot of us out there. It's not like we wear a flag or something across our foreheads that says I am, you know, polyamorous. We don't, we don't do that. However, we are many of us are out here, and it's just a matter of connecting with that community wherever you are. And whether maybe where you are locally, there's not a big community, but there is online community. And that having that helps to put things in perspective to realize that maybe you're not drowning, or maybe you are drowning. And now is the time to get a raft. Yeah, I think that those are the main things that I would recommend anybody that is in this journey that's out there listening, wondering if joining MOR might be a good investment. Yes, absolutely. That's what you wanna do when you're committed to doing it, absolutely. So that sense of community, learning from the best, learning from people that know what they do is, it's good. And people that are helping a bunch of other people in the process, absolutely. Please go ahead and do that if you have the opportunity. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing and for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, everyone. So again, Yvette and her partner, you know, both just total rock stars. And listen, if you want to chat about what's going on in your relationship and see if we can help you and if you're in a place where you want to generate some kinds of these changes for yourself, We'd love to chat with you. Go ahead, really easy. You can just go to a touchofflavor.com forward slash call, book a free call. You know, we'll hop on, kind of talk about where you're at, what's going on in the relationship, and come up with a plan to get you to where those relationships are thriving. So thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you again here soon.
1: Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor Podcast, where we're building relationships
0: outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at a touchofflavor.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK TOF1.